Welcome to the HR Chat Podcast, bringing the best of the HR and talent communities to you. Welcome to another episode of the HR Chat Show. I'm your host today, Bill Bannum. And in this episode, we're going to hear from the awesome, wonderful, fabulous, fantastic Stephen Chedletsky, founder, speaker, coach with Shed Inspires. Stephen has also worked as one of the inspiring igniters over at Simon Sinek's Start With Why team. Stephen engages with people in meaningful ways so that we can all connect with depth and live in a more fulfilled world. And I've been lucky to have Shed on the show. Shed, that's what people call him if they if they know him well. So I'm going to call him Shed today. Uh, I've been lucky enough to have Shed on the show before. And he was hugely popular. And you're out there. You, you loved him. In fact, to date, uh, that it's the most popular episode that I've done is one that was with Stephen. So it was about time that we got him back on in 2022 to share more about what's going on in his world. And also to talk about his first book that's not going to come out just yet it's coming out next year um, but it sounds pretty exciting so we're going to really delve into some of the lessons that that Stephen's hoping to to share in that book Stephen Shed how are you nice to have you back on the show thanks Bill it can only go downhill from here after that very promising introduction um, but delighted uh, to be with you. I think it's December 732 2020 is at least what it feels like to me. <laughs> So we are going to forgo the usual first question, the get to know you question, because I feel like our listeners get have gotten to know you in the past. And we're going to jump straight in instead, Chad. Let's um, do it. Let's do it. Let's talk about your, your planned debut book, uh, your foray into becoming a, a published and well-respected author. So t- tell, me, tell me about the inspiration behind it before we get into any of the topics. Let's start with just what's, what's the inspiration behind it? Sure. Yeah. Maybe published. Let's, let's talk about that. Um, so, I mean, there's a great quote, which is necessity is the mother of invention. Um, and th- this sort of idea to write about what I call speak up culture um, came from personal experience o- over the years in my career and life. Quite frankly, it actually started, um, you know, Bill, I'm a big believer that our strengths as adults are often uh, rooted from what we've had to overcome as kids and adolescents. So I grew up with a stutter. I grew up with a speech impediment. And it was very hard for me to garner the confidence to speak up. And now I'm kind of obsessed with it. Um, Both how leaders and organizations create cultures where it's safe and rewarded to speak up. Um, And indeed, I love helping leaders and individuals get clear on their ideas and feelings and share them in a way that moves others. So that's kind of the impetus um, for the work. And I started doing more and more speaking and facilitating on my own. And, you know, some friends would contact me and I'd do a couple conferences here and there. Um, and as I as I sort of delve out and do some of my own content, um, I remember, you know, distinctively this past summer, June or July, I was getting set to do a, to do a conference um, later in the year, about October of 2021. Um, and then I got, you know, the, the email, which I'm sure you've sent out many times and received many times of, so what are you going to talk about during the conference? And I went, oh, I got to figure that out. Um, and that's sort of when the ideas began to mature uh, of creating this body of work called Speak Up Culture. Tell me a bit about the, the influences, the, the, those, those experts out there who, who have um, played a part in the, the creation 
of your new book. I, I know it's still being created. Yeah. Uh, I'm, gu- <laughs> I'm guessing, for example, the lessons from Simon Sinek uh, have influenced the book. But who, who else? Who, who yeah, else? Yeah. Uh, big, big thinkers for you. Yes, yes. And the and the book outline is done right now. So I at least I, I have more than just a title and an idea. I actually have uh, 13 chapters fleshed out, which is which is uh, an awesome feeling. Um, so I, I first learned about a body of work called Psychological Safety um, uh, from Adam Grant. Adam Grant wrote about psychological safety in his book, Give and Take. Uh, and a colleague of his, Amy Edmondson, is what I describe as the founding mother of psychological safety. Uh, Simon Sinek did write about psychological safety in Amy Edmondson's work in his book, Leaders Eat Last. And Simon coined it a circle of safety. Um, and I, you know, a, a circle of safety is interesting, but sometimes, particularly in our very uh, virtual first world right now, sometimes relationships and organizational and organizational cultures aren't as clean as a circle. Um, and so I, I do love this notion of psychological safety. What psycholo- psychological safety means is we feel that, it, that we are safe enough, not without fear, because I don't believe in fearless. Anyone who says, you know, our fearless leader, fearless leader, I've never met one. There's, there's no such thing. Um, but in in cultures where there is psychological safety, we feel safe enough to take the risk of speaking up, of having high candor and low fear, um, to share our, our ideas, share our concerns, um, like, is this going to work? Or I'm not trained for the job that I'm in. I need help without fear of punishment or retribution, or even to to dissent or disagree um, to someone more senior than us, and that it's not viewed as a cardinal sin, you know, how dare you challenge leader, that it's met with curiosity. Um, this is part of what it means to be in, a, in any healthy relationship. A healthy relationship is not one void of tension or conflict. A healthy relationship is one where the inevitable experience of tension and conflict ensues, that we feel safe to move toward it, uh, to move through it, uh, and hopefully move uh, beyond it and and above it. That actually tension and conflict makes us better um, in our relationships and in what we can accomplish. So yeah, hu- huge influences. First, Adam Grant. Um, second, Amy Edmondson. And of course, uh, Simon's work as well. We'll be right back to this conversation after this very brief message from today's sponsoring partner. The Jovio data-driven recruitment advertising platform enables businesses to buy, manage, and track recruitment media, including job sites, social and search marketplaces, and the whole World Wide Web, to attract and hire the most relevant applicants on time and within budget. The Jovio platform uses advanced data science and machine learning to dynamically manage and optimize talent sourcing and applications across all online channels while providing real-time insights at every step of the job seeker journey from click to hire. For more information, visit jovio.com. Okay, so in 60 seconds or less, Shed, what is a speak up culture? The speak up culture is one where the input of a speak up culture is psychological safety. The output is a speak up culture. A speak up culture is one in which it is encouraged and rewarded to speak up, share our, our ideas, our concerns, and even our disagreements. Um, if you do not have a speak up culture, people are repeatedly ignored or punished for speaking up, um, which means that you will bring to life the Andy Stanley quote. 
that leaders who do not listen will eventually be surrounded by people who have nothing to say. And that silence or nodding heads uh, is not consensus. It's actually a big issue because if we aren't hearing the voice of our people, our employees, our customers, our teammates, uh, it'll lead eventually to missed opportunities for sure, potentially failure or even disaster in the case of the NASA Challenger or the Boeing 737 MAX 8 disaster where people died um, because there was not a safe speak up culture. Yes, listeners, and actually there is an episode dedicated to the uh, NASA Challenger disaster on the HR chat pod, so please do check that one out. I always like to plug other episodes. Um, right, uh, I'd love for you now to maybe point to an organization or two that you feel is, is getting it right, Stephen, in terms of having a having a speak-up culture, you know, an, an, an environment where employees feel like they can share their voice. Yeah, I so... I'm very hesitant to make a sweeping generalization of an organization because I don't evaluate organizations or companies. I evaluate leaders. And so there are pockets of, of, of um, some organizations where there's great psychological safety and speak up culture. And there's some where there aren't. And so, you know, I, I don't have Bill like one perfect poster, you know, like Uber or, or Airbnb, you know, like I, I can't point to one right now. As my research continues, I'd be delighted to update you if there's one that I can. Um, uh, but, I, but I will say that I had an experience um, earlier in, in 2021, around this time of year last year, where I joined uh, a team. They happened to be in pharmaceutical sales. They were based out of Latin America. And um, I was doing a virtual event, you know, it was on MS Teams or something. And there was about 100 people from this sales organization who, who joined. And I put them into a breakout. And in the breakout room, I asked them to describe stories that made them feel proud to be part of this team and to be a part of the organization. And when we came back from the 20 minute or so breakout, um, uh, I asked for volunteers to debrief and, you know, share their experiences from their breakout room. And this one um, woman, she was, you know, middle-aged, like very quickly raised her hand and she was obviously emotional. I mean, she was in tears. And she said, I have to talk about our country leader who was on the call. Um, the country leader wasn't in her breakout room with her, um, but she said, um, you know, somewhat, you know, within the first six months or so of the, of the pandemic, um, she was struggling and struggling hard. She was a single mother of two kids. Her, uh, her work performance and results weren't good. It was not only was it a, a pandemic out in the field, it was, of course, a pandemic in her home as well. And so she got on for her biannual meeting with um, country leader, someone that they called Hefe, you know, big, big boss, um, male big person, you know, I could see jolly, but potentially intimidating. And um, she was nervous. She thought she was going to lose her job because of her, her results were so poor and she didn't have much of a plan. And so she spent a lot of time. She made a PowerPoint presentation with, you know, sharing how she's going to get out of this mess. And she hops on to her meeting with her, her boss, her, probably her boss's boss, quite frankly. And um, she shared her screen and started going through a presentation. And the, 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 the big cheese said, what are you doing? And she said, I have a presentation I want to run you through. And he said, turn it off. He said, um, if we were doing this in person, like we were supposed to do, if it weren't for this pandemic, we'd be in the car together, we'd be out in the field, 
we'd be chatting, we'd be having lunch, we'd be having coffee. Like, forget the PowerPoint right now. How are you? You're a single mother through a pandemic. I don't care about your results. I care about you. And when I care about you, we'll, we'll figure out those results. And there was just a huge sigh of relief. She came clean with how she was, she was struggling. And it totally transformed that, that meeting. And after they had a chance to actually chat, you know, for however long it was, maybe it was 30 minutes, maybe it was less, maybe it was more. Um, but then she finally showed her PowerPoint presentation and the, the collaboration and levity and ability to actually have a productive meeting as opposed to a fear-based meeting was totally different because that leader lived a definition of leadership. Um, you know, I've heard a definition of leadership as uh, some, a leader asking someone how they're doing and genuinely caring to hear the answer. So that's one example, Bill, of what it looks like to actually have a speak up culture. Now then, I want to get into some of the lessons from your book. Uh, five uh, lessons, actually. Um, but given given the length of time that we have, uh, given the length of this podcast, I'm going to challenge you again to uh, to summarize each of these points, each of these learning uh, outcomes from your book in 60 seconds or less. Okay, so we're gonna we're gonna shoot through these uh, okay. one by one. I'm, I'm gonna fire it at you, and then you're gonna give me this beautiful <laughs> beautiful but quick answer as as to uh, what it means and why it matters so, so, uh, so, so you're saying bill shed bottom line it is that right and let's see <laughs> exactly I don't, I don't even know if i have five yet but let's let, let, let's see how we fare we're gonna do some truth quicker okay here we go uh yeah. first one uh understanding the definition and importance of psychological safety in the workplace and beyond and why speak up cultures are good for people and good for businesses i think you've probably covered most of this already but if you'd like to add anything you've got 60 seconds there's a quote i'll take less there's a quote from admiral bill mcraven which says bad news never gets better with time um and so i think a huge part of psychological safety it's not the absence of errors it's the free willingness to speak about stuff that doesn't go well because on the other side we know is improvement that's what you have when you have psychological safety in a speak up culture excellent next is discover the two components of a speak up culture encourage and reward go. yes i view speak up culture as if you're going into a wrestling ring um, <laughs> meaning, you know, there's many times in my career when I've spoken up and there are times in my career where I've chosen not to. And the difference between doing it and not is do I feel that it will actually lead to a positive change or improvement? And so I view it like a wrestling ring because it's not without fear. Every time I've spoken up, it's like, should I do it? Should I do it? Ah, I'm doing it. And I open up those ropes and I go into the ring and the spotlight's on me, whether it's in a group or even a one-on-one -on -one conversation. And I speak up because I feel that it will be rewarded. I'm encouraged that the behavior will actually be seen as helpful. And then here's the wonderful thing. If, if I do step in and speak up and then it is rewarded, which doesn't mean I'm made right, it means that my opinion matters, um, that ripples into the culture and other people see it and other people are more likely to speak up as well inclusive of my report to say, hey, you should speak up. It's worth it. It went well for me. I can coach you. I can help you. You should do it. Okay. We we are flying through these. Uh, next is learn and practice tactical and proven methods to listen to your people and cultivate a feedback-rich speaker culture. So um, I'd love for you to tell me about more about this one, Stephen, but also, you know, maybe, maybe in, in the book you point to um, some technology, some tools, as well as tactics as, as to how people can get to this one. 
Yeah. So, I mean, there, there's lots of tools out there right now around employee voice, employee pulse. that are quite powerful um, and there's lots of them. Um, so you can actually have technology that supports um, that it's not just only reliant upon ye old, the door to my office is always open, which is passive leadership. Um, but, you know, we need to be, to have these, you know, uh, hard, truthful, you know, conversations of candor with care or radical candor, as Kim Scott ha has called it, challenge directly and care personally. But there are tools out there like Loopin is, is a new one out of the UK. There's CultureAmp and there's, there's all these these tools out there that um that make employee voice more clear and more loud and then we can't just stop at the tools we actually have to go have the hard conversations the other thing i'll, I'll point to bill is the difference between a skill and an attribute this is work from my friend rich davini who's a retired u.s navy seal uh, he wrote the book the attributes um, a, a skill is something that you can teach or learn an attribute is more inherent to our nature so you can actually teach people how to be better listeners it's a skill but you can't teach someone compassion. Someone has to want to go on the hero's journey to become more compassionate, to see the merit of compassion, and then work on that, put themselves in experiences where their compassion muscle um, uh, grows. Um, so yeah, those are just a, just a, um, a couple of things. And a, and a big part of a speak up culture is having healthy feedback conversations, both positive feedback and of course, constructive uh, as well. And that feedback is, in fact, its opinion. Continuing through, uh, another another uh, lesson and another learning outcome from the book is exploring the destructive impact of toxic positivity. Toxic positivity, I like that. And, and gaslighting <laughs> on people, uh, teams and cultures. Can, can you offer any stats to demonstrate what toxicity can do to employee happiness and engagement and retention? And, and maybe if, if there are no stats, perhaps... Um, sort of put it in the context of the great resignation. You know, if you've got a toxic workplace, a toxic work culture, yeah, I'm, I'm guessing you're going to leave, right? You're t and, and leaders and retention rates are going to be very low. Yes. So toxic positivity are two fun words put together, but I guarantee you it is not fun. <laughs> um, I mean, toxic positivity and, and Susan David and her, her work has done quite a bit on, on this. She's the author of Emotional Agility. Um, toxic positivity is when you, it's a good vibes only approach. We can only talk about the future and we can only talk about good things, which denies people the experience of having sadness, anger, grief, frustration, of which are all human emotions and all happen. Um, you know, Susan David has done a great job in her work to help us realize that our emotions aren't our identity. Our emotions are data. Um, gaslighting is an extreme where whether it's advertent or, or not, typically to keep control or power, um, leaders will essentially deny people of their experience and, and emotions, which is, you know, a, a, some, if someone on a team says, hey, leader, I feel this way. And the leader essentially goes, no, you don't, which is denying someone of their human experience. That's gaslighting and it's manipulative. Um, but I think a, a nice thing to explore here is um, what I'm putting together as a culture equation in the book. Um, my equation for culture is culture equals in brackets values multiplied by behavior, and both of those are influenced multiplied by power. Power is uh, my friend Tiziana, um, uh, uh, I, I always butcher her last name, Cacciario. She wrote a book called Power for All, which is brilliant. She defines power as um, having uh, having possession over valued resources. And so um, culture equals values multiplied by behavior. 
um, uh, values are what we care most about and how we should behave, but we cannot see someone's values. We can only see their behavior. And so if you have a culture that is void of values, good luck. If you have a culture that has values, but then people don't live them, and particularly people with more power don't live them, good luck as well. Because anything multiplied by zero is zero, and anything multiplied by a negative is a negative. So even if you have values but don't live them, uh, as an example, see Enron uh, and the great accounting um, uh, uh, scandal that they had. They had values. They were communication, excellence, which is a meaningless value, integrity and respect, I believe, were their top four values, and they didn't live them. Um, and so culture equals values multiplied by, by behavior, and it's influenced by power. So if you don't live the values you espouse, you have a toxic or deleterious culture, which means that your people's day gets worse when they put their feet on the floor, when they wake up in the morning and get out of their beds. Um, so yeah, that's, that's what's possible when you don't live these ideas, is people actually have uh, a negative experience. And of course, I mean, there's the great resignation, which I think people are resigning uh, in, in droves more as a protest to um, poor work conditions and poor pay. There's a great talent swap and shuffle and also poor culture. Um, I think in, in you know, typical knowledge economy, um, it's the great talent shuffle, which is people are switching jobs where there's greater flexibility, they're willing to take pay cuts, and if the culture is healthy as well. So longer than 60 seconds, Bill, on that one, sorry. Way longer, but you did use the word deleterious. <laughs> and that's the word of the day, ladies and gentlemen. That's, what do I win? What do I win? Yeah. Fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah. But it does mean you only get 30 seconds uh, to answer the, the, the final learning outcome and tell us about that one. Um, so in 30 seconds, okay, before we look to wrap up today, um, tell us a bit about unpacking leaders' responsibility and advantage in building a speak up culture. Well, it simply means that when you do have a speak up culture, you gain from the perspective and the voice of your people. And let's face it, um, the more senior you are in an organization, the further away you are from the truth. Um, look no further to uh, the great work from David Marquet in his book, Turn the Ship Around, that um, those with power have the authority, but those who are more junior in the organization who are typically closer to the customer, the end user, have greater information. And when you cultivate an environment where your people feel safe to speak up, those who have boots on the ground and see what's working and see what's not, feel as though they can speak up, voice it. And then those with power can help support them to make the decisions that end up benefiting the team and end up benefiting the end user or the customer. Wicked awesome, as the cool kids say. And just finally for today, Stephen, how can how can our listeners learn more? How can they connect with you? Um, oh, and by the way, maybe um, as part of your, your, your final remarks here, um, we have had interest from um, the team led by Corey Chadwick um, over at the Mental Gym, which I understand you're a strategic advisor. At, mm -hmm. And, and, and yeah, they've been interested in the past on um, being featured here and elsewhere. So um, maybe as part of your answer in terms of learn, learning more, you can also point people towards uh, the Mental Gym and how folk can find out about that too. Yeah, I mean, Corey's a great friend and I've uh, supported him as an advisor to to build the community that his, he's building. So check out um, uh, Corey and the mental gym, something that I'm aligned with and, and, and believe and believe in uh, uh, heavily. Um, and yeah, I mean, for me personally, my new website, shedinspires.com, should be up 
hopefully by the time this podcast comes out. <laughs> if not, visit it as often as you like until there's actually some information there. Um, but for the time being, Bill, I think I'm the only Stephen Shudletsky in the world. So all you many Shudletskys out there, please do not name anyone Stephen. Uh, and I'm most active on LinkedIn. So people are, are very free uh, to reach out or connect or give a follow there. Excellent. Well, you're certainly the only Stephen Chudlewski in my heart. Um, that for, just now. Me... <laughs> for now. For now. For now. <laughs> you never know. Uh, for now. Um, Stephen, that just leads me to say for today, thank you so much for joining me on this episode of the HR Chat Show. Always a pleasure, Bill. I hope it's helpful for the listeners. Me too. I don't think it was deleterious at all. I think it was very constructive. And I think, and hopefully people learn uh, lots of, lots of awesome things today. Um, so listeners, that just leaves me to say for this particular episode, thank you very much for listening. And as always, happy working. Thank you for listening to the HR Chat Podcast, brought to you by the HR Gazette.